Hey guys, welcome again. Welcome both saints and sinners, redeemed and unredeemed, to another weekly Persevering the Saints Bible study. As we seek to better understand some of the most basic and fundamental doctrines found in the Scripture, so that we uh, saints may persevere seeking to better understand and know God more clearly. And even so, that the unredeemed may understand the actual fundamental doctrines of what Christians, what Bible-believing Christians actually believe. So then, um, redeemed... Christian, saint, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and please like and share and whatever else you need to do to make sure that this is passed along so that the unredeemed uh, get a chance so that if at all possible, by the will of God, through the proclamation of the gospel, that they may come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, guys, last week during our study time, we read and talked uh, a lot about the Bible, right? We talked mainly about inspiration and inerrancy. We talked about what biblical inspiration means, right? It's that 2 Timothy 3.16 verse that all Scripture is inspired, our English translations usually say, but when we look at the Greek of what the text is actually written in, okay, that it says the word theunustos, meaning it is God breathed out. We learned and talked about the fact that all 66 books in our collected Bibles, right? That that this Bible here is a collected copy, okay, of all 66 books of the God-breathed Scriptures. We learned that God took 40, possibly 41 penmen, carried them along by the Holy Spirit using their specific personalities and the historic context that they lived in, using their mind, will, emotion, all to sovereignly generate the exact words God intended those human authors to write. Now, this week, we're going to continue in this topic of the Bible. But this week, we're going to talk about the sufficiency of the God-breathed Scriptures. Right? We're going to talk what that sufficiency means. It is a, it is a doctrine uh, that is very important because, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christian, professing Christian churches that are forgetting this doctrine of sufficiency. All right? You have men proclaiming its inerrancy, 
and then having program after program uh, trying to somehow uh, seek in the lost through other means than the sufficient Word of God. You have, have them using secular means, um, doing things outside of the Word to seek in the lost, even though the Scripture tells us how to do it, right? By the Word of God and its proclamation, okay? Um, we're going to understand the sufficiency. We're going to seek to understand the sufficiency through what I believe is one of the clearest ways to understand this doctrine of sufficiency. Okay, And that is through what is known as the Protestant Reformation. Many of you know that I love history. And after I got saved, I began to love history even more, especially what we call church history. And there's this period of time called the Protestant Reformation. It was kick-started by a Roman Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther. When he took his 95, some say 97, thesis in the year 1517, October 31st to be exact, and he, he nailed what, what's called the 95 Thesis to the king's door in Wittenberg, Germany. And what this 95 Thesis was, was his 95 or 97 disputes, okay, disputes against practices, teaching, and doctrine within the Catholic Church's teachings. See, what, what the problem was, was the Catholic Church, they believe and profess to believe that this, that the Bible, is the very Word of God. But, unfortunately, uh, they believe that it can only be interpreted uh, through tradition, through priest, and through what they call the vicar of Christ, the Pope. Even though the Bible uh, would say that the vicar of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Um, so in doing so, they're, they're putting biblical inspiration and church tradition on the same level, right? Okay, so when, when they do this, all right, at some point, one of these has to be the authority. Well, unfortunately, when they say that the Scripture is only to be interpreted through church tradition, priests and popes, um, the tradition ends up becoming the supreme authority, not the Word of God. Okay? Um, many, many, many Catholic teachings contradict the Word of God. I was raised Catholic. 
I am no longer Roman Catholic. Okay? Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, let me say this again, the Roman Catholic Church confirms Scripture as the Word of God, but it is to be interpreted by church tradition, priest, and what they call the Vicar of Christ, that is the Pope, even though the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the Vicar of Christ. See, the problem is those traditions, priests and popes, contradict Scripture. So Luther and many other reformers realized if multiple things declare authority, yet they contradict, the possibilities are this. Are you ready? Either they're all wrong, or there is only one right. Okay? If they contradict either all or lies, or there is only one truth. See, and the Scripture has proven to be true. Men contradict continuously. The Scripture is truly the Word of God. So then, knowing this, the Reformers declare the Latin phrase sola scriptua, or Scripture alone. Friends, last week we talked many about many of the evidences that this is the Word of God, right? We, we talked about how we know this to be true. The fact that the 66 books of Scripture attest to each other through miraculous workings of, of people like Moses, Elijah, Jesus, and, the, and His apostles. Okay? Uh, the fact that Jesus okay, confirms the Scriptures Himself. And I listed a whole bunch of Scriptures that where Jesus confirms the Old Testament Scriptures as historical fact from Genesis, that being Adam and Eve being the first male and female, the first human beings, the only first human beings, and that we all come from them, okay? There is, friends, there is but one race, the human race, okay? We all just different shades of brown. It is what it is. Uh, I, I, I made a joke the other day, and I didn't even mean it as a joke, but uh, we all shades of brown, even albinos, uh, ain't white. They pink. A really, really, really light shade of brown. <laughs> okay? Um, we know that Jesus attested to all of the Old Testament Scriptures. And then the New Testament, Right? The, those apostles ordained by Jesus Himself, okay, them witnessing Christ Himself, right? They attest of who He is and what He has said. Those eyewitnesses. Not to mention all of the outside sources that, that attest to the miraculousness, the miraculous nature 
of Jesus Christ. Like uh, Titicus, Pliny the Great, and Josephus, the Jewish um, historian. See, friends, just as St. Peter declares in 1 Peter uh, 24-25, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The, gla- the grass wither and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. See, everything is going to perish, but God's word endures forever. See, Luther and many others realized realized the Bible to be the enduring, never-changing, and always consistent Word of God. But friends, men, even popes, even priests, even pastors, even ministers and teachers of the Word, we are frail. We falter. We lie. We are flesh, and our words will wither away. Or as Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he may lie, or a son of man that he might change his mind. And here's the, the uh, like, duh question, right? It says, does he speak and not act? Or promise and not fulfill? Of course he does. Everything he speaks, he acts upon. Everything he promises, he fulfills. Do you understand? God cannot lie. Everything else may frail. The fact is God's word cannot And I'm not even saying everything does fail. Only saying that the Bible is the only thing that cannot. Therefore, it is the sufficient lens that all... Here's the sufficiency. Okay, It is the sufficient lens that all truth claims should be filtered through. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, okay, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And I'm going to read uh, verses 13 through 17. Are you ready? It says, Evil people and impostors will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. See, 2 Timothy is written from Paul to Timothy. 
And to understand this, Timothy was raised uh, first by a God-fearing mother. Okay, And you'll learn that if you read Timothy. Okay, And then he becomes a disciple of Paul. Okay, Read the book of Acts. You'll learn much. Okay, so where did I leave off? Um, okay, evil men learn through those taught infancy. Have known the sacred scriptures. Okay, here we go. Which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here we go. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, completely equipped for every good work. See, people teaching things contrary to God, to the God-breathed Word, are not the authority. The Creator, the Sustainer, the Savior is the supreme authority of His divinely inspired Word. So therefore, Scripture alone is sufficient. Now let's be clear. Scripture is not saying that Scripture is the only thing that's profitable. We have commentaries but always be careful. Uh, every commentator is just as my good friend Brad Wilson says, commentators are just common taters. You know, like the potato. <laughs> okay. What they say needs to be what the Scripture says. They, they need to draw out what the scriptures say because the scripture is the sufficient authority all right that's what it means not saying that you shouldn't listen to your pastor well you should but you need to be like those Bereans in Acts 11 right that search the scriptures to make sure Paul was telling the truth those Bereans searched the Word of God because they knew it was the Word of God. Be like the Bereans. Friends, it is important then in the time that the Bereans were searching the Scriptures to make sure Paul was telling the truth as it is now. See, because... From the genesis of time, God's Word has always been under attack. It's been under attack and tried to be undermined by the serpent in the garden saying, did God really say? To um, Jews and Catholics and many others putting their traditions before the Word of God. To even, in more recent times, Mormons 
or Muslims or um, Jehovah's Witnesses or um, continuationists even saying they're getting new knowledge from God. Scripture says it's complete. If it's the Word of God, it's complete. You know, there's that, that saying, you want to hear from God, read your Bible. You want to hear Him out loud, read your Bible out loud. We do not need any new revelation. We don't need it. I'm not saying God cannot. I'm saying the Bible says He does not. Read Hebrews 1. He once talked in the prophets, and now He talks to us through the man Jesus Christ, His Word. See, the church has always, always, always been under attack. It was attacked in the first century. And Paul addresses that in Galatians 1. Turn your Bibles real quick to Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. As Paul speaks to the Galatian church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 1. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from Him who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to different gospels. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, listen to this. But even if we, he's saying himself and the other inspired authors, the other apostles of Jesus, he says, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have already preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be upon him. Friends, God's Word is sufficient. And it is the sufficient lens for all things true. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible um, can be used as a uh, manual, how to fix, you know, a book, a manual, uh, to fix your old Chevy. 
okay? It, it, that's not what it is. But it is sufficient to teach you how to act, <laughs> how to live uh, righteously, how to present Christ to others, even while you're reading that manual, learning how to fix your old Chevy. Just as 2 Timothy 3.16 says. Let's, let's read it one more time. 2 Timothy 3.16. You ready? Yeah, it's 16 and 17. All right. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, completely equipped for every good work. Completely equipped. Thoroughly equipped. Complete. <laughs> okay? It holds all truth. And all truth must be filtered through the sufficient word. You know, we have people today that are saying things like pedophilia is natural. You know what? And without the word of God... Without the absolute Word of God, we can't say anything. All we can say is, Oh, I don't like that. That's going to hurt somebody. Who cares? So what? Right? You know what I can say? I can pick this up. And God says the only natural means, the only perfect means of any sexual orientation is that between a male and a female in the confines of marriage. Period. It is the sufficient Word of God. This is how we know what truth is. Anyone, anyone, as Paul says, that Galatian church, anyone teaching contrary to the very words of the very God, may he or she be accursed. Friends, I pray that I made sense to you, okay, to somehow understand a little more of what it means for the Bible to be the sufficient Word of God. It is how a man or woman, it is the means of which we learn gospel truth from. It is by the means of, of how a man or woman can know Jesus. We cannot know Jesus today without His Word. Just like his apostles couldn't know him without him speaking his word. Friends, it is sufficient for salvation. It is sufficient for truth. It is sufficient for all of these things. Again, I'm not saying it is the only means for us to learn. Again, you can use a manual to fix your old Chevy. Um, it doesn't, this book doesn't tell us um, how a surgeon uh, 
should uh, sew up his patient or how a, um, a w- what medicine a, a doctor should give. But it does say how that doctor should conduct himself. It does say um, how that mechanic should conduct himself. It does say how that doctor can be saved through the knowledge of God. All right? And I, like I said, I pray that this made sense. That you now can understand a little more about the sufficiency of the Scriptures and the concept or doctrinal foundation of Scripture alone. But if it did not, let me close in a Scripture reading that I believe may clarify uh, exactly what I mean. Turning your Bibles to Matthew Matthew 18. And I'm going to read 14 verses, starting at verse 1. Matthew 18, 1 through 14. And after I read this, I'm going to close in prayer, and then I'm going to say goodbye. Okay? I hope that this has been edifying. Again, pass this along. Uh, And thank you guys. All right. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child and had him stand along them. He said, Truly, I tell you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believed in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy milestone were hung around his neck, and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of of, uh, offenses. For offenses will inevitably come. But woe to that person by whom the offenses come. If your hand or your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. And just to be clear right there, he is not, if you, he, he's giving what they call um, extremes so that you understand. 
Okay, I'm trying to think of the the technical word, but it'd probably be just easier for me to say he's he's speaking to the extreme extent so that you understand how important it is. Okay, um, and then some scholars say that he's speaking of the members of the body, that is of believers, the church. Okay, but I would say it's he's mainly speaking just an extreme. Uh, forms so that you understand the importance. Okay? All right. Verse 10. See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones, because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray. Won't he leave the ninety-nine on the hillside and go search for the one stray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over that one sheep more than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. In the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven, that one of these little ones may perish. Friends, truth. It's what matters. And how do we know truth? Through the sufficient Word of God. It is the absolute. Because God is the absolute and all-knowing God. All right, let's close in prayer. I will see you again next week, hopefully. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this study to further understand how true Your Word is. To know that we can rest on Your Word that we don't need to rest upon anything else. It is the sufficient Word. It is the all-sufficient Word. It holds the absolutes. It is the looking glass that we can know You and that we can know what truth is. It is sufficient for all things in life and godliness. Lord, we thank You and we praise You in hopes that we truly do glorify Your name. In Jesus' name, Amen. Peace out.